your Bibles with me and turn to Matthew chapter number 1 this morning. By the way, I didn't mention it. I think most of you knew already, but uh, we have our family back together for a few days. And uh, Lizzie made it home. And uh, praise the Lord, we're going to have her with us for a bit. She's you singing tonight? You singing tonight too, Josh? You all singing a duet? Yeah, they're singing a duet. I thought that's what it was. Josh, not you, Josh. <laughs> that one. And what's that? I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to try really hard. Amen. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to talk to you this morning. This is a subject we touched on a few weeks ago, but as we uh, look to uh, thinking of our Savior coming, uh, I want to focus on it a little more in depth on why the virgin birth is essential. Amen. Why the virgin birth is essential. And I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Now, let's stop here just for a moment. It does not matter what man says or man thinks. We have this morning the perfect, holy, preserved Word of God. And in this book, it tells us this is what happened. This is the record of the birth of Christ. It goes on to tell us here in verse 18, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When asked his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Fear not to take into thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, how powerful your word. How powerful the prophecy of your coming. That prophecy that man said could never, could never come to, come to pass. And yet exactly as the prophets hundreds of years before had said, you came, born of a virgin, to be my Savior. You left heaven and came to earth to become flesh. You clothed upon your holiness, the temporal, that you might become my Savior the Lord of glory. Oh, this morning as we think of the integrity of the gospel and the integrity of truth and Lord, why it is so vital, why it is essential, this matter and the doctrine of the, of the virgin birth. Lord, I pray you'd help us to understand that and see it in illustration form this morning and in scripture as we look in just a few moments. Lord, would you help us today? We need your help. Help me. In your precious name we pray, amen. 
As I talk to you this morning about why the virgin birth is essential, I'd like to take just a few moments and share with you a bit of a history lesson. Well, Caleb, if I could get you to go ahead and put the next slide up for me. This past Thursday, just a few days ago, marked the 55th anniversary of a tragedy known as the Silver Bridge Collapse. That bridge, the most disastrous, most, the greatest loss of life of any bridge tragedy in the history of the world, still to this date. It was a bridge that connected West Virginia and Ohio, a bridge that would be nine miles or ten miles away from where I would grow up as a young boy. A minor flaw, just one minor flaw, in one of the 12 I-bars, we'll talk more about that in just a moment, I-bar number 330, that would form the suspension of that bridge caused it to fail. According to a, what they have learned, they realized that that I-bar was on the Ohio side of that bridge. The I-bar, that piece, if you'll look there at the slide, you'll see an up-close picture of that I-bar. It was the end of a long piece of steel, and that round circle was sheared because of that crack, that fissure. That I-bar that you see pictured, the actual recovered I-bar, had high levels of residual stress from its manufacturing allowing water to pool at the bottom of the eye hole where that connecting pin would tie it together. Over the course of 39 years, from its building until it fell, a crack formed and grew until it was eventually three millimeters long. Temperatures in the area there in West Virginia on December 15, 1967, we're near freezing, not as cold as our temperatures here, but still cold, making the material of that bridge even more fragile and more brittle than normal. All of that would go together to cause a crack. And that crack would grow almost instantly down the outer edge. This crack would overload would overload the upper side, which separated with some signs of moldability and ductability there. The resulting asymmetrical load on that pin that would connect it to the other eye bar that was supporting one of the supports of that bridge, that side loading, would cause it to twist. That single eye bar that was left vibrated off the other side of the pin, at which point the chain was completely severed. The adjacent tower being destabilized started toppling and fell to the north. The road below twisted over, and the other tower was pulled down to the river. Witnesses recalled hearing what sounded like a gunshot those that were on that bridge, on the entrance, the approach, and the exit. 
According to the West Virginia Department of Transportation, the bridge folded into the Ohio River, bringing 32 vehicles with it. 46 people died. Two bodies were never recovered. It wasn't until April of 1971 when the National Transportation Safety Board would finally reveal the cause of the Silver Bridge disaster. That Silver Bridge that was built, it was technologically supposedly superior, called the Silver Bridge because of, at the time of its creation, uh, very high-tech aluminum paint that was used to paint the structure. It was finally revealed the, the cause of that disaster was a cleavage fracture in the lower limb of Ibar number 330, you have pictured there on the screen. That fracture is a critical flaw over the 40-year life of the structure. That fracture would cause that single link would cause the entire bridge to fall into the river. My family and families related to my family would have family members who would perish in that bridge. My father stayed after school. He was in high school for a basketball game that night. At the basketball game, he was watching the basket, their basketball team play, the basketball coach that coached the basketball team at Point Pleasant Junior High, Point Pleasant High School. His parents, as he coached that game, my father would watch that night. His parents would plunge into the river and die. All because of a small crack that caused one link, one link, one piece of that bridge to fall. Just one link. When the lower side of that one link of that eye bar gave out, that load would be transferred and the entire structure would fall down. You see, that bridge was made in a way that they are not made anymore. There are still in use some eye bar bridges. There's an eye bar bridge that crosses the Ohio River in Pennsylvania. But that I-bar bridge has redundancy built into it. And there are several I-bars that are built together and pinned together, so if one breaks, there's redundancy. I think of the bridge across to New York City. Some of you have been across the, that great bridge with giant cables. I read a story just this week about that bridge, how as they were designing it, one of the designers realized that some of the steel had been rejected, so they they overbuilt the bridge with more steel just in case to give it a little more of a overload capacity and an overbuilding to make it safer. But that particular bridge, the silver bridge that fell 55 years ago this week, was won in such a way that with one failure, the entire bridge would fall. Can I tell you this morning with certainty that if the virgin birth is not true, if the doctrine of the virgin birth be not true and broken, then the whole of the gospel, the whole canon of Scripture falls. So, Pastor, that's, that's a pretty serious statement. 
It's a true statement. There is an attack and has been for many years on the virgin birth. You can look at many versions, perversions of Scripture in our English language, and you will find that many of them will change the word virgin. They will remove it and replace it with the word young maid. I do not believe that is accidental. I believe there is an actual attack on the gospel, on the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and on this book. And I want to talk to you this morning, not lengthily, but I want to give you a couple of reasons why the doctrine of the virgin birth is essential. I want you to imagine as you think of that tragedy of everything falling and all the people that would lose their life. You understand that you and I would lose more than our life if it were not for the virgin birth. We'd lose life eternal. We would face eternal damnation with no hope. But I want this morning, I want to talk to you about why the virgin birth is absolutely, completely essential. First, the virgin birth reveals the truth. The virgin birth reveals the truth and the accuracy of Old Testament prophecies. So why is it essential? Because it is the virgin birth that is so wonderful at revealing and showing forth the magnifying the truth and the accuracy of Old Testament prophecies. I have an uncle who used to be involved, uh, maybe even still yet some, in geocaching. How many of you know what geocaching is? Anybody ever done geocaching before? It's where you, you get a GPS coordinate and you drive out somewhere, and, and you can do them in the city. They can be out in the country. They can be in parks, all kinds of places, and, and they'll have a cache uh, hidden, sometimes a little plastic box or a metal box or uh, Tupperware or whatever, and there'll be things in the box. And you go to find it, and you're supposed to, I think, Brother Royce, you take something out of the box, leave something, is that right? Just kind of a uh, means of, you know, this is your calling card, what you've done, you've been there, you take something out of the box. And my uncle would do that. He'd get the coordinates, and he'd take his GPS, and he'd drive, and he'd get out, and he would walk, and he would find it. Now, how could he do that? Because of the accuracy of the GPS, it was he could follow those coordinates and find that location. Can I tell you that the Old Testament prophets gave us the coordinates, gave us exactly what would happen, and it came exactly as Matthew says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Exactly as it was said in Genesis chapter 3. We won't go back there for sake of time this morning. But in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, a verse theologians call the protovangel. In 3.15 of Genesis, the Lord is identified as the coming Messiah. Who would be born of woman and who would deal destruction to Satan. And it's very unique in that passage in Genesis 3, verse 15, it is said that he would be the seed of a woman. 
you will find that nowhere else in all of Scripture. Not the seed of man. You find that all throughout the Old Testament. But the seed of a woman. Not the seed of man. The promised Messiah was not to have an earthly father. He was to be divinely conceived. He would have to be divinely conceived in order to bring the destructive blow to Satan. In Isaiah 7, 14, how wonderful it has a prophecy of Isaiah many, many years before Christ. That one of the signs, one of the signs of the coming of Messiah would be that he would be born of a virgin. That Jesus was born of a virgin verifies truth. Verifies truth. It, it verifies the accuracy of this book. And it verifies the inspiration of Old Testament Scripture. You understand the Old Testament is not just a, a group of books written by good men. It's not an accumulation of writings written by spiritual men or religious people. It is the very words of God. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we see the virgin birth is essential because it reveals and shows the accuracy and truth. If that truth of the virgin birth is broken, can I tell you, just like that bridge that began that convulsive sway and completely would fall totally to destruction inside of the Ohio River, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of salvation, without that verifying of the Old Testament, would begin to sway and waver and fall without hope. It is essential. Number two, the virgin birth is essential because it affirms, it affirms the deity of Christ. It affirms the deity of Christ that he is the God-man. That, that's an important word, the God-man. The New Testament teaches us, we started in Matthew chapter 1 as we read our text, as we began in Matthew 1.1 and on throughout the end of the book of Revelation, the New Testament teaches us that man's sin and guilt before a holy God is so great that a Savior must come from outside of man's efforts. Man's efforts can do nothing to help. The Savior being both human and divine. How is that possible? How is it possible? Since humanity cannot create such a Redeemer. Our Heavenly Father provided a Savior through the virgin birth who was holy God and holy man. Complete. The Bible is clear that Jesus was both God and man. And John, God gives us the words, in the beginning was the word. You'll notice that word, word, is capitalized because it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word, again capitalized, was with God. And the Word, again capitalized, was God. And the Word, again capitalized, the person, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we saw His glory. The glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God would give the Apostle Paul these words to pen to the church at Colossae. In Colossians 2 verse 9, For in Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, all fullness of the Godhead dwells. Everything in Him. He is, not was, is the God-man. The virgin birth affirms the deity of Christ. There are many today who believe in Jesus. Many. I had the privilege a few weeks ago, I called Brother Maud after to, sit, to talk with a fellow at his door just 12 blocks away from here. Wonderful fellow. A follower of Islam. As I talked with him, I, and I shared a bit with him, very open, very, very wonderful guy, and we chatted a bit. And I said to him, I said, I know that you believe in Jesus. I, I used his word that he would call Jesus. But I said, I know that you believe that Jesus was a prophet. He said, oh, absolutely. I shared with him, I said, I believe that he was more than a prophet. I said, I believe that he is very God. I said, I know that we don't agree. But I gave him a gospel track and we talked a bit. There's a difference in believing that Jesus is a prophet and believing that Jesus is God. A big difference. There's a big difference in believing that Jesus was a good teacher and believing he was God. That, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big gulf. And without the virgin birth, can I tell you that we have a gulf that cannot be crossed? We have irreparable damage to the gospel. We have catastrophic failure. Virgin birth is essential because it affirms the deity of Christ. It was necessary to bring up the unique nature of Jesus Christ. He, by the way, he wasn't half man and half God. He was 100% man, 100% God. He was the God man. We see him as a man when he grew weary, when he slept, when he was hungry, when he was tired when he experienced the pain of Calvary. We see him as God when he walked on the water, when he cast out demons, when he said to the storm, peace, be still. And the sea was his glass. We see him as God when he fed the 5,000, when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead. He was the God-man. Christ could not be the God-man if he were not virgin-born. If there had not been the miraculous fusing together by the Holy Spirit, if Jesus had been born of natural parentage, of a biological father and a biological mother, he would not be deity. He could be a good man. He could be a teacher. He could be a prophet. But he could not be God. Number three, why is the virgin birth essential? Because the virgin birth affirms 
the sinlessness of Jesus. The sinlessness of Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ wasn't just a good man. He was a perfect man. A perfect man. He never sinned. Not, not once. How many of you can say you've never sinned? I'll, I'll wait. I'm sure everyone will raise their hands. By the way, husband, if you raise your hand, your wife will probably slap it down. Uh, we, we can't say that. We can say we try not to sin. We can try, we say we try to be good, but we fail. I'm not going to ask him, but, you know, Josh and Elizabeth are in Bible college. I'm sure, I know, I know at least the Howells Anderson, I'm sure uh, West Coast, they probably have, you know, infractions. If you break, there's rules. You have to follow rules. I know you have to follow some rules. Now, I'm not going to reveal anything, but I, I have a feeling that both of these young people have broken some rules in college. Now, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a video camera watching them as far as they know. But my guess is, if they're normal, they've broken some rules. You know, when I was in Bible college, Mark, you're going to have a hard time believing this. I broke some rules. Isn't that shocking? That shakes your faith, doesn't it? The bridge starts to tumble. I, I broke a lot of rules, Brother Ahmad. Now, I didn't do horrible, evil, vile things, but I'd forget to sign in and out of my room. I, I, sometimes I'd... I wouldn't make my bed. Some, sometimes I, I'd, I'd forget to turn in forms. I had to turn a form in. But I broke the rules. And I got in trouble. When my wife and I were dating, because of those little things, one time I got what's called campused, which meant that I wasn't allowed to do certain things. I wasn't allowed to date. I wasn't allowed to see her for a little while. She was praising the Lord Jesus Christ, but I, I, why? I broke some rules. And I was a good, I was a pretty good kid. I did, I was pretty good, but I wasn't perfect. And by the way, there's only one that ever has been, and that's Jesus Christ. Pilate tried to find a way to salve his conscience and his mind, to say, okay, it's all right that we kill him because he's done this. By the way, we, we know from media and culture that when someone runs for public office, that there are, there are professional people that their whole job in life is to dig in their past. That's why Brother Mike's never going to run political office. He has too many skeletons in his closet. But, I mean, if you got a speeding ticket when you were 16 years old, you run for, they're going to find out. I mean, if you, if you shot a spitwad in grade five, they're going to find out about it when you run for office. They're going to search history, everything you've ever done. They search Jesus Christ. And Pilate said, I find no fault in him. None. By the way, Pilate couldn't see in his mind, but if he did, he would have found no impure thoughts. 
He couldn't see into his heart, but if he did, he would have seen no ill motives. He would have found that when those men were nailing Jesus to the cross, rather than Jesus feeling, man, I wish I could get you, they would have found that his heart would have been, I love you. While you're yet a sinner, I'll die for you. Perfect. Sinless. And yet without the virgin birth, it would all come tumbling down. Because he could not be perfect. He could not be sinless. But the virgin birth affirms the sinlessness of Jesus' perfect life. Not the seed of man. We see Jesus victorious over sin, over Satan, over temptation. He was perfect. Because he was sinless, he was accepted. Brother Ahmad said to God, God, I'll, I'll be a sacrifice. I'll die for the human race. He wouldn't do that. But if he did, God would look at him and say, it won't work. <laughs> you got to die for your own sin. And you got so much, it's going to take a long time. By the way, that's the case for every person. If Peter, you know, tempestuous Peter had said, I'll go. Remember, he said, Lord, you're not going to go, and I'll go with you all the way. If Peter could have gone, he would not have been accepted. Jesus could only be accepted as the payment because he was sinless. If he had even one sin, he could not have borne your, and borne your sin and my sin. When John was preaching, I don't know about you, but there's some people that I would like to have met. How many of you would like to have gone out in the wilderness and heard John preach? Man, I, if, there, if there was a live stream that I could go back and watch of John preaching, <laughs> I want to hear John preach in the wilderness. I want to see him out there in his camel hair uh, tunic in the desert preaching. And John was preaching one day, and he saw Jesus coming. John, the forerunner, John, who came to prepare the way, as John stopped. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Sinless, perfect, spotless, innocent Lamb of God. You see, without the virgin birth, the whole plan of the gospel, the whole plan of redemption comes crashing down. It cannot hang together with every other truth being true without that connection of the virgin birth. Because it is the virgin birth that affirms the fact that he's sinless. If Christ was not sinless, he could not have been the perfect substitute. As the sinless God-man, Christ took the hand of a holy God and the hand of sinful man 
in order that that wall of separation brought about by sin could be done away with and we could be reconciled in Christ to God. If Christ had not been born of a virgin, I cannot be reconciled to God. It's impossible. Fourthly, this morning, the virgin birth is essential because the virgin birth assures us of the supernatural. Assures us of the supernatural. You won't find this hard to believe, but there are many who find it hard to believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. They find it impossible, contrary to natural reason, and I would agree with them. To accept the virgin birth is to accept the supernatural. There have been some unusual births. I was at the birth of all three of our children. I assisted in Rebecca's birth. Rebecca has always been the most stubborn child that we have. My wife has a very strong right arm from beating her so much trying to get her in shape. She got the muscle sometimes in her arm. But Rebecca's always been very stubborn, and it started before she was born. My wife was in labor 40 hours, 40 hours to give birth to Rebecca. Hard labor for several hours. Finally, near the very end of her labor, the doctor said to me, Mr. Rice, if your daughter is not born or actually, we didn't know it was a girl or a boy. We didn't know if she was, what she was. We're still not sure. But said, if your baby is not born in the next few moments, we're going to have to do emergency cesarean right here in the delivery room. They had tools. They brought tools in, like ready to do emergency cesarean. They tried one last thing as they were monitoring her heart rate as her heart rate was dropping. They put a suction cup on her head. And the doctor grabbed a hold of that suction cup and told the nurses to, they were supposed to push. And these little nurses were about Chona's size. And I said to the nurses, I said, tell me what you're doing and get out of my way. And as the doctor pulled the suction cup, I pushed Rebecca out. Carrie didn't do anything. She just laid there. And I need a place to sleep tonight. But I was there as a witness of that birth. And we say, well, the miracle of life, birth is a miraculous thing. I was there with when Lizzie was born via cesarean section. What an amazing thing. I, I, I got to sit there and watch the whole thing. And it was intriguing and amazing and powerful for me. Some of you would have passed out, but I'm there just watching like, wow. I can't remember if Hannah was born or not, but uh, no, Hannah was born in St. Albert. But I was there for their births, amazing, miraculous births. We use those words, amazing. We use the words miraculous. But they happen all the time. 
Now, they're amazing to us, and praise God for that. But can I tell you that since God created man and woman, God designed for natural birth to come about. You understand Cain and Abel and Seth and all their brothers and all their sisters, they were born just as every other person has been born. But Jesus' birth was not natural. It was supernatural. It is the virgin birth that, that assures us of the supernatural. The miraculous. The Bible tells us there in our text in Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was in this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. By the way, when Joseph found out she was pregnant, he said, I'm going to have to privately put her away. You know why? Joseph knew they'd never been together. And Joseph thought, well, it's got to be somebody else because it's not me. And Joseph knew it wasn't him. He knew that wasn't his baby. He said, well, I love her, but I, I don't want her to be. Can you imagine the public shame? He was going to privately put her away. That's how much he loved her. Think about the kind of man he was. But it wasn't his baby. It was supernatural. As the angel told Joseph, hey, it's okay. It's of the Holy Ghost. You see, if the virgin birth is removed, then it is no longer supernatural. Just another baby. Oh, sure, born in a manger. Sure, maybe the shepherds came and visited him at the stable. Sure, maybe a couple years later, wise men would finally find him in a home and come in and give him gifts. Sure, but without it being a virgin birth. Just another baby. Just another birth. We have a couple ladies who are expecting, I believe in February, both of them. I think that's right. Wonderful little baby, little boy and little girl on the way. We're excited about that, how awesome that is. But Jesus was not just another baby. It was supernatural. The miracle of the virgin birth assures us that the miracle of our spiritual birth is possible. I was born... March 31st, 1975, in Pleasant Valley Hospital in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Early, early, early one Monday morning. The Monday morning following Resurrection Sunday. That's where I was physically born. I found out this week a very unusual thing. Pastor Ben Turner, Brother Maud and Mitra's former pastor, he's going to be with us for our pastor's conference in March or in uh, January. When he was born, his parents lived 12 miles away from my parents. Found out a little smaller world than we thought. But I was born there in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, 30, 40, 47 years ago, almost 48 years ago. 
but south of here, if you cross the border in the United States and you drive across the state of Montana, you get down to a place after a while called Wyoming. In the state of Wyoming, there's a town called Gillette in that little community as a five-year-old boy. I was born again. Supernatural birth. Can I tell you, without the supernatural birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, I can have no supernatural birth of salvation. It all falls apart. The whole of salvation, the whole of the gospel, the whole of the Bible comes crumbling down without the virgin birth. As we spend this week looking forward to a day that our culture set aside, they call Christmas. A day that we as believers think about our Savior coming to this world. There is no detail. There is no detail of Him coming any more important than the virgin birth. Without the virgin birth, Nothing would unfold correctly for the gospel. I want to read a quote to you as we close this morning. Donald McLeod wrote these words. The virgin birth is posted on guard at the door of the mystery Christmas. And none of us must think of hurrying past it. It stands on the threshold of the New Testament. Blatantly supernatural. Defying our rationalism. Informing us that all that follows belongs to the same order as itself. And that if we find it offensive, there is no point in proceeding further. Christian, you can use that word to describe yourself today because Jesus was virgin born. Dear friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you can come to know him as your savior because he was born of a virgin. The Bible tells us the birth of Jesus Christ happened on this wise. I am hanging all of my eternity and all of my present on that book. The truth of the virgin birth is the girder that holds it all together. Don't let false doctrine, heathen culture, worldly skepticism, even from religious community, and false religion shake your faith and your understanding of the truth of the virgin birth. This morning, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you that he wants to be your Savior? He died for you. He paid your debt, but you have to accept him. Would you believe this morning that he is who he says he was.
the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God-man who came to, from, earth, from heaven to earth, became flesh to dwell amongst us, virgin born, Son of God, to die for you and to die for me. Would you call on him today as your Savior? Christian, would you take a few moments this morning to worship him, to praise him for who he is? I read many reports as I thought about the tragedy, the anniversary of that tragedy I shared with you this week. Many people after the fact said that as they would drive across the bridge, they noticed as they waited in the middle of the bridge that it was always moving and they were always scared. Can I tell you something this morning? As I stand on the bridge of the gospel that leads from earth to heaven, there is no movement. There is no shaking. It is 100% solid. It is 100% secure, and it is going nowhere. The door's open today. Would you cross it? Would you cross it by faith? Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I pray that you bless us this morning, Lord, as we think about the importance of the virgin birth. Lord, I don't know the hearts of any person in this room besides myself. Lord, there are many people here, Lord, I may not know, and I don't know their story. I don't know their life. And Lord, even if I did, I can't know their heart. Lord, it may be today that there's someone here who has never placed their faith fully and completely in Jesus Christ for salvation. Maybe one here that does not know for sure if their life was over this very moment that they are ready to stand before a holy God because they have been born again. They've been saved. They've received the gospel, believed the gospel. Lord, if that's the case, I pray this morning they would come believing. They would come and let someone during this time of invitation sit down with them and open the Bible with them and show them how they can trust you today. Lord, I want to praise you and thank you for the firmness of the foundation of the gospel. Lord, I thank you that I know it is not shaky ground. It is immovable, immutable. It is eternal. And Lord, one of the reasons is because of the virgin birth. Lord, I pray that we as believers gathered here this morning would worship you and praise you. That you would receive our worship today as we praise you for being the virgin-born Son of God that came to die for me. Oh, God, may you receive glory this morning. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, before we close our prayer and begin a song of invitation, would you ask God even right now what he would want for you, what decision you need to make today, and would you make it? Lord, thank you for what you've done, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Royce, if you would. Then we'll stand together and sing hymn number 301, Only Trust Him. Hymn number 301. We'll sing the first and the last verse. Come every soul by sin. 
express there's mercy with the Lord and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word only trust him only trust him only trust him now he will save you he will save you he will save you last yes jesus is the truth the way that leads you into rest believe in him without delay and you are fully blessed only trust trust him only trust him now he will save you he will save you he will save you now and he will he'll save you now but one day it's going to be too late one day it will be too late. Don't leave without knowing him. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we, we worship you. We praise you for being the virgin-born Son of God who came to take my sin, to bear my debt, to pay the price on Calvary, to be buried and raised again, to make atonement, to redeem me. Lord, we worship you for that. We praise you for that. Lord, would you bless us as we're dismissed today. Lord, be with us as we gather back. Lord, this evening, Lord, I pray you bless our young people as the youth as they are involved this evening in worship and in their service and serving you. Lord, I pray you bless them. And Lord, help us as a church, Lord, to just lift up Christ. Lord, may that be the case. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.